past, uh, you know, why do churches have to come together on patriotic days and sing these songs about America? In fact, in today's culture, there is a war against patriotism, okay? Uh, there, there is a culture of people that, uh, that, that believe that for some reason it's immoral to, uh, to, to praise God for the nation that He has given to us. Now, I will say this, if you are worshiping a nation, then you are not worshiping the Lord, okay? And so when we come together here, uh, we're not worshiping our nation, but we are praising a God who we believe brought forth this nation. And the reason why I think a lot of times there's, in this generation right now of young adults, there's a, there's a discomfort of that is because many of them as a culture, maybe not, maybe not your kids, but as a culture of people and a generation of people, they have been taught uh, some different things about history then you and I, many of us who are a little older, maybe have learned. That's what he was talking about, Dr. Rogers, in that video, the revisionist history. And so what I want to do this morning, first and foremost, is we want to look at God's Word. Okay, Psalm 33 is an amazing passage, an amazing chapter in the Word of God. And right there in the middle of Psalm 33, in verse 12, it says... Happy or blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. In Hebrew, the word blessed means happy. So you, you, some of your modern translations in Psalm 33, 12 may say happy uh, is, uh, is the nation, but the King James says blessed is the nation. But the idea there is that we are, we are happy and we are satisfied because of the blessing of God because of the grace of God that has been bestowed upon us. And so I so want to look at this passage in, in um, Psalm 33. We're actually going to kind of move our way through Psalm 33. And, and in so doing, we're going to see some characteristics of what it means to be a nation that's blessed. What, it is, what, what does it mean to be the nation that is blessed? To, what does God mean when he says blessed is the nation? And so we're going to look at that as we begin here in Psalm 33. We're going to start in verse 1. We're going to read the first nine verses, and then we're going to take a break and, and talk a little bit, and we'll move our way through it. But we're only going to get through probably about verse 18 this morning. But let's, let's look here at Psalm 33, starting in verse 1. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous ones. Praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the lyre and make music to Him with a ten-stringed harp. Sing a new song to Him. Play skillfully on the strings with a joyful shout. For the word of the Lord is right and all His work is trustworthy. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the Lord's unfailing love. The heavens were made by the word of the Lord and all the stars by the breath of His mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into, into a heap. He puts the depths into storehouses. Let the whole earth tremble before the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spoke and it became into being. He commanded 
And it came into existence. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful to stand before you today. Father, in a nation whose, whose motto is in God we trust. And Father, I pray that we would be a people. Not whose motto is in God we trust, but whose lifestyle is in God we trust. And we pray that you would help us understand what it means to be a people that are blessed by you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. The first thing that we want, I want you to see here is that a nation that is, is, is blessed by God is the one who honors his proclamations, okay? That honors his proclamations, that honors his word. It says, for the word of the Lord is right in his, in his work is trustworthy. The word of God is correct. The word of God is without error. The word of God is, is, a, is, is a fountain of knowledge and wisdom. And it is the definition of what is right and what is wrong. The, the, the word of God reflects the righteousness of God. It reflects his justice. It reflects his unfailing love. God's proclamations and his, his word, it reflects his, his power and His glory. Look, it says that the heavens and every star was formed by the words, by the breath of the Lord. And like I said before, we live in a day where, where history books have been and continue to be rewritten to fit the narrative of, 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 of people who, uh, who oppose the influence of the Word of God on our nation and in our culture. They'll tell you that our nation was founded by people who were atheists. They'll tell you at best many of them were what they would call deists. If you don't know what a deist is, that is a person who believes in a deity, in a god, and they, they would say, well, most of the founders of our nation were just deists. I mean, they kind of believed in God, but they didn't really have a preference of you know of of god and so to say they were christian is really incorrect and 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 it is true that that many of them and most of them may not have celebrated the things of god the way that you and i do in fact there were many different doctrinal views that many of the founding fathers had the people who who uh, who wrote the Declaration and the Constitution, the signers of the Declaration, the Patriots, the early presidents, and and in uh, judges and chief justices, and all these things, uh, not all of them had all of the same beliefs. That is true. Some of them were what we would consider a few of them more had a more of a deistic view. There is some truth to that, but but most of them, by and large, were believers in the Lord Jesus. Christ and believers in the word of God. There was no doubt that the foundation of their moral convictions was the word of God. The very first chief justice of the Supreme Court, Chief Justice John Jay, once said that the Bible is the best of all books, for it is the word of God and teaches us a way to be happy in this world and in the next. Continue, therefore, to read it and to regulate your life by its precepts. He also said, in another time, he says, Providence has been given to our people 
the choice of their rulers, and it is the duty as well as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation, not our deist nation, not our secular nation, our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. Now you can debate whether that would apply today, but there is no doubt that the view of our founding fathers was not a secular nation. That's what a lot of the people will say, well, yeah, they were believers, but see, they knew that this Christianity stuff was dangerous and they didn't want to get into all that, and so they just created a secular nation. And I do believe that they sort of put some frameworks in, in, uh, in place so that people uh, would not abuse those things. But it is, there is no doubt that they saw this as a Christian nation. John Hart was a man that signed the Declaration of Independence, said this, and he quotes scripture specifically. He says, Thanks be given to the Almighty God, therefore, and knowing that it is appointed for all men once to die, and after that the judgment. Hebrews 9, 27. The man quoted scripture. Why? Because the proclamations of God is the very foundation of the morality of our nation, of, of what our, our, our natural morality was envisioned to be by the people who founded this nation. Benjamin Rush, another signer of the Declaration of Independence, also uh, uh, known as uh, the, uh, the father of American medicine, references scripture when he said, Nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing but his blood will wash away my sins. And he, and he references Acts 22. He says, I rely, exclusively, I rely exclusively upon it. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Re, uh, referring to Revelations 22. Now, does that sound like the convictions of somebody who believes in some unknown God but does not believe in the specific deity of Jesus Christ. Not at all. These are the convictions of a man who believes not only in Jesus, not only does he believe that Jesus once lived, but he believes in the atoning blood of the sacrifice of Jesus. That's why when the Declaration of Independence was written in the preamble, it says, after it declares that this was a unanimous declaration of the 13 uh, United States of America, it says, when the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bonds, political bands, which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to this separation. So what are they saying there? They're saying that we're going to separate ourselves from England. We're declaring our independence. And we're not just going to tell you that we're declaring our independence. We're going to explain to you why we're declaring our independence. And the reason why we're explaining to you why we're declaring that independence is because we believe that it's what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to do that. Now, I wonder where in the world would they have gotten an idea like that, that you should, should, should be ready to give 
people a, uh, to, to give uh, people a reason why you have a certain belief or a certain hope. I think he got it, they got that. Maybe they were reading some scripture. Maybe they were reading 1 Peter 3. It says to be ready and always be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. You see, the word of God influenced even the, 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 the introduction to the Declaration of Independence, very clearly influenced by the Word of God. And he said, so they said, hey, here we have some convictions. Well, here are some of the convictions we have, they said, uh, that, that all people or all men are created equal in the eyes of God. You know, what, what, did you notice it says they were created equal? All men are created. doesn't say all men were evolved equal. It didn't say all men spontaneously ended up equal. All men were created equal. Who were they created by? They were created by God. This is what our founders believed. In Genesis chapter 1 it says, God created man in his own image. Okay? So not only were they created, but they were created equal. Where did they get that idea? Well, they get that idea from Scripture. Romans 1 says there is no favoritism with God. King James says that God has no respecter of persons. Now, that doesn't translate as much in today's language. What that means is God does not play favorites. Everyone is equal in the eyes of God. No matter, no matter your, your status of your wealth, no matter whether or not you're a celebrity, no matter who you are, where you come from, your race, your ethnicity, your religious background, everyone is, is the same. Everybody has the same opportunity from God. God, God, uh, God shows no favoritism with people. It says they're endowed by their creator with those rights. The rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Where did they get that from? We know scripture teaches in Psalm 128 that uh, the man should eat the hands, uh, eat what the hands have worked for. To be happy and for it to go well with you. It should benefit from your work. Well, they were living in a government that, that, uh, where they were working and the, and the government over in England was getting all of the benefit. And they, they would read scripture and say, wait a minute, this is not really what God had intended for us as a people. We believe that we're endowed by our creator with certain principles, certain inalienable Rights. See, a nation that is blessed by God is a nation that is founded on the proclamations of God's word because there is power in the word of God. Our nation has been blessed. And we are blessed today. We have problems in our country, without a doubt. Morality and family values are on the decline and crime and immorality and division continue to increase, but... But listen, here's what we need to understand. All of that happens. All of that stuff happens when a nation neglects to highly value the word of God. You see, all the, the morality on, in decline and division on the incline and the division rising, that's not God's doing. That's our doing. Because we as the people have not highly valued the word of God. Founders of this nation highly 
value the power of God's word. Do you know in 1777, one of the earliest acts of our Congress was to affirm and to give permission and to, uh, um, to encourage the, by proclamation, this was official legislation, this proclamation to, to allow uh, the printing of Bibles in the United States. Because in that day, one of the ten- things that were, uh, that crea- another thing that created tensions between the United States and England is that, is that we could not print our own Bibles here. The only Bibles printed in the English language had to be approved by the crown. And so the crown would, 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 uh, would have to approve and declare uh, for those Bibles to be printed. And so, uh, so they, were, they, were, they were not just easy to come by, but when things were good with England, Bibles were coming over uh, from England, being printed there and sent over here. Now over here we could print, we could print here uh, Spanish Bibles and French Bibles and Latin Bibles, but we could not print, it was illegal to print Bibles in our own language. And so when the, when the revolution began and, and uh, America declared independence, Great Britain said, hey, you know what? Well, we're going we're gonna, to you know, block all your supplies, which includes your Bibles. And they started looking around the, 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 uh, the, the, the founders and the people uh, that were in charge of the colonies and saying, look, we're going to run out of Bibles before, you know, before long. We need permission because it's been illegal up to this point. We need permission to print Bibles because it is necessary for our families and for our churches and for our schools and the Congress of the United States said absolutely go and print those Bibles. The, the, the Congress says the use of Bible is universal and it's important was so great that they affirmed that resolution. And so, uh, but, you know, that's, that's not the legislation of a Christian nation. Those are just a bunch of secular people, right? That's not what history shows us. And so, so we understand the Word of God is important. Here's the question. How important is the Word of God to your life? It was crucial to the life of the founders of our nation. How important it is, is it to you? If you were stuck on a desert island and you could only have one book, what, what would you take? Asked somebody that question one time and they said, I would, I, the book that I would take if I was stuck on a desert island is How to Get Unstuck Off of a Desert Island for Dummies. And in a sense, in a real simplified, pared-down way, you know, that's kind of what the Word of God is in its simplest form. You and I are stuck on a desert island. You and I live on an island where we're surrounded by sin and failure. We're, we're surrounded by fear and foolishness and all of these things. And the Word of God is our map. It is our direction book to, that, 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 that helps us to know how to get off of that island and how to, how to be rescued by the grace of Jesus Christ. That is what the Word of God teaches us. It teaches us how to be unstuck. It teaches us how to receive the love and forgiveness of, of the Jesus who died for our sins. The reality is a lot of Christians, though, they have a lot of, we, there are a lot of Christians that have a lot of Bibles at home and the reality is those, those Bibles, not only you have multiple of them, but very few of them, in many cases, the pages, they just never even see daylight. 
Because for many Christians, the Word of God is just not that important. In the same time, in other parts of the world, people who are caught with a copy of the Word of God are put, if they're lucky, they're put in a, in a prison where they get the hardest jobs and they are beaten. They're dragged around and they are given the heaviest loads. They are even mistreated by the other prisoners. But in many cases, people caught with the word of God, they may be dragged out into the public square in front of children and families and executed in public. And their crime is that they had a copy of God's word. Folks, you and I are blessed to live in a nation where we could gather in this place and study God's word together. Paul says in Romans 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the, to the Greek. For in it God's righteousness is revealed from faith to faith just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Through the word of God, God calls the lost into salvation. Proverbs 30 says every word of God is pure and he is a shield to all those who take refuge in him. And so, so we understand that also through the word of God, uh, God offers refuge to those that are hurting, to believers who are willing to trust in him. That's why Adrian Rogers has said that uh, if you have a Bible that's falling apart, you'll have a life that's not. We understand there's power in the word of God. President Reagan said, inside the Bible's pages lie all the answers to all of the problems man has ever known. All of the problems that man has ever known. The Bible can touch our hearts, he said. Order our minds and refresh our souls. A blessed nation is the one that's founded on and honors God's proclamation, but it's also a nation that, is, that, that will honor God's principles. Now we see these two are kind of connected because you talk about God's proclamation, his, the specific verses, specific passages from God's word, but then you see the principles or the theological and everyday implications of God's word. It says the counsel of the Lord in verse 11 of Psalm 33, the counsel of the Lord stands forever and the plans of his heart stand from generation to generation. Look what it says in verse 10. It says the Lord frustrates the counsel of the nations and he thwarts the plans of the people. You understand what that means? That, 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 that means that God is in control. It, it means that, 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 that no nation, no, 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 no country will ever be able to completely dominate things apart from what God allows. And if God wants something to happen, even if some nation is against it or some leader is against it, if God wants it to happen, he's going to make it happen because he frustrates the counsel of the nations. George Washington, I want you to pay attention to this again, in his inaugural address after being, uh, after being sworn in as the first president of the United States, he said it would be improper to omit, he says it would be improper for me to omit in this first official act, my fervent supplications to, to the Almighty Being who rules over the universe, who presides in the council of nations, 
and whose providential aids can supply every human defect, that, that his benediction, the benediction of God, may consecrate, consecrate to the liberties and happiness of the people of the United States. This is what he's saying. He, he's saying, I need to give thanks to God. I, I need to give thanks to God who's, who has brought forth this nation because guess what? England was not, uh, not planning on the colonies declaring independence, but our God, he, he frustrates the council of the nations. In fact, George Washington says he presides over them. We have to understand, God is in control. Verse 11 in Psalm 33 says that the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The, the plans of his heart from generation to generation. And at the end of the day, the message of the gospel will endure. Listen, when you think about what all is going on in our world today, you think about North Korea and you think about you know, China, and China is very powerful and they have a huge military, and you think about all the things that Russia has, has been doing and Iran and and there's just a lot of things going on. Sometimes we, we, we respond maybe the best way. Sometimes as a nation we don't. Uh, but, you know, uh, it leaves a lot of people worrying what's going to happen. Where are things going to end up? How's it all going to work out? But listen, we have to understand God is not surprised by any of it. God is not threatened by North Korea. He is not threatened by Iran. I, I think... I think he's grieved by a lot of the things. I think it makes him sad. I think he sort of shakes his head a little bit like, what are these people doing? What are they thinking? When are they going to wake up? But he is not surprised by any of it. The plan of his heart stands firm from generation to generation. It's a great passage in 2 Chronicles 7, a promise that God makes to his people. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their, their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. God will work in and through believers. Notice he says, if my people. He's talking about believers. God will work in and through the life of a believer when they stop looking for value and acceptance from this world and start looking to God. You've got to stop worrying about what everybody else is doing. And I say, God, what is it that you want from me? I'm, I'm tired of chasing the stuff of this world. I'm ready to chase you, Lord. Would you, you, you direct my path? I'm, try, I'm tired of trying to figure it out on my own. Some of us need to Stop thinking that we can do everything on our own. Some of us need to humble ourselves. Stop thinking that, uh, th that we know it all. Some of, some of us need to start praying to God and start seeking Him and stop looking at other people, people in our lives, and maybe uh, looking for someone else to tell us that we're valued and we have purpose and that we are loved because God says you have value and God says you have purpose and God says you have love. He gave it all for you. He, he demonstrated that ultimately to you and me when he died on the cross for our sins. If you want direction, acceptance, value, purpose, don't look to the world because the world is messed up. Look to the creator. Look to God. 
Like Psalm 33:11 says, because the counsel of the Lord stands forever. Verse 12, happy is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen to be his own possession. You know, not only did our early founders understand these things, you know, modern presidents understood this as well. And when I say modern presidents, if you're like 16, 17 years old, this is not a modern president to you. But I'm talking about presidents who were in office at, at, during, the time, during the life of, of uh, the older people in our room. Modern presidents understood this. Franklin Roosevelt, FDR, said, We cannot read the history of our rise and development as a nation without reckoning with the place the Bible has occupied in shaping the advances of the republic. Where we have been the truest and most consistent in obeying its precepts, we have attained the greatest measure of contentment and prosperity. FDR says, when we have trusted God and followed his principles and his proclamations the most, is when he has most blessed us as a nation. That's FDR. Uh, the, the man who followed him out of office, Harry Truman from, from Missouri, said that the fundamental basis of this nation's law was given to Moses on the mount. The fundamental basis of our Bill of Rights comes from the teachings we get from Exodus and St. Matthew, from Isaiah and St. Paul. If we don't have a proper fundamental moral background, if we don't understand he, these things, he said, we will finally end up with a totalitarian government which does not believe in the rights for anybody except the state. You see, modern presidents in both parties understood these principles. Because the reality is the principles of God's word is the fabric. It's, it's in the DNA of who we are as a nation. The question is, are they in the foundation of who you are as a person? Because the counsel of the Lord stands forever. Blessed and happy is the nation and the person whose God is the Lord. The people he has chosen to be his own possession. The blessed nation is the one who honors God's proclamation and honors his principles, but also honors his perspective if you look at verse verse 13 said the lord looks down from he from heaven and he observes everyone the lord looks down from heaven he gazes on all the inhabitants of the earth from his dwelling place verse 15 he forms the hearts of them all and he considers all their works you know what that says that says that god sees you God sees your heart. He knows your pain. He knows your struggle. He knows your problems. He knows exactly how the enemy is going to attack you. He knows it all. He sees you at your best. And he sees you at your most desperate. Some may say, well, why doesn't God do something about all of this? Scripture teaches us that he did. He did something when he sent Jesus to die for your sins. He did something when he offered you the gift of salvation. He did something when he graced you with the blessing of prayer. He, he did something when he sent the Holy Spirit of God to live in the heart of the believer who puts their faith in 
Christ, the reality is he has done something. He is doing something. He has been reaching for you this whole time. Maybe it's time that you reach back. See, we need to see people the way that God sees them. That's how God sees them. He, he sees their, their need. He forms their heart. He considers all of their work. He sees their imperfections. He sees, he, he, he sees their failures. He sees their sin. And he offers love. He offers acceptance. He offers forgiveness. Look down at verse 18. It says, but look, the Lord keeps his eye on who? On those who fear him. Those who depend upon his faithful love. We need to see people for their needs. People need the Lord. They need Jesus. For we'll see our nation come back to the principles of God's word. People need the Lord. The founders were people who knew the Lord. We need to see their need. We need to see their created purpose. God created them for a reason. And ultimately, his reason for creation is that people would glorify him. And so when we see a person living in sin, instead of, in, in, instead of mocking them and being disgusted at them, we need to be devastated for them. We need to be burdened for them because they are living apart from their created purpose. They are missing out on something that God has for them. We need, to, we need to see their potential for healing, their potential for influence and impact. Think about the Apostle Paul and how horrible he was. He participated in the murder of believers. Can you imagine that? And yet God got a hold of him and God healed him spiritually. And God used him to influence people. To, he, he was used to write the majority of the New Testament. He, the ministry of Paul or the ministry of God through the Apostle Paul uh, is it's still impacting people today through the Word of God as we read it. Impact and influence that he has had. Why? Because he needed the Lord and he was connected to the Lord and he came to know the Lord. God got his attention and we need to understand that the lost people out there, they do have potential. And if they would be healed, if they would be, if they would repent of their sins, if they would trust in Jesus, God would do an amazing work in their life. We need to see them as a mission field. Yes, it's hard, and yes, it's frustrating. But we've got to see them from God's perspective. During World War II, there was a German theologian named Martin Niemöller. Later on in his writings after the war, he would he would talk about his time in Germany, and he said this. He says, when the, when the Nazis came for the Jews, I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew. He said, when, when, when they came for the trade unionists, I didn't speak up because I wasn't a trade unionist. When the Nazis came for the Catholics, I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Catholic. But then they came for me. And there was no one left to stand up. Friends, it's time for the believers in God to humble themselves and pray and seek His face. It's time for those who care about the things of God to stand up and speak up. In love, but in truth. 
We need to stand for what's right in the eyes of God. Moms and dads, listen. You need to teach your children the truth about God. And you need to teach them the truth about the connection with the principles of God's word and the foundation of our nation and how those two things are connected. We need to honor God. We need to honor his proclamations. We need to honor his principles. We need to honor his perspective. It's up to you. And it's up to you and it's up to you and it's, and it's up to me to stand up and speak up in love so that when generations to come look back, they will see a blessed nation and not a broken one. Let's pray.